You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 174, with Mary Hyatt. And today we're talking about updating your beliefs. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on in your world today, men of abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community. Today, we are definitely going to help you enhance your mindset, update your mindset, and make you realize that you do deserve the good. And while I know we are going to get quite a few of the lady listeners on this episode because we have a very dynamic woman we're speaking with today, And I already know she has a very large following. So ladies, do your men a favor and make sure that they get over to menofabundance.com and click on the members tab so that they can get access to the Men of Abundance community. And it's just men in there. And we are talking about, amongst many other things, being very strong men in our relationships with our women in our lives and our children and having very strong relationships professional relationships at work and in our business. And if any of your men or you men that are listening out there are looking for a coach to help you live an amazing life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness, then I want to invite you to request a 30-minute discovery call with me by going to menofabundance.com and click on the coaching tab at the top of the page. You'll be able to read through there and fill out a short form to request a 30-minute discovery call with me. Now, what will you get out of this? First off, you're going to get something out of the 30-minute call on its own. And you're going to walk away from that 30-minute call with a couple tools that you may not have had when we walked into it. Those tools will certainly help you with your relationships both at home, in the office, and in your business. Therefore, possibly putting more money back into your pocket. At the very least, you're going to have more fun at home (laughs) and at work. And at the end of the call, we just might discover that you and I can work together either in a one-on-one basis or you might be a perfect fit for one of my group programs. So if living an amazing life in family, faith, finances, and fitness appeals to you, go to menofabundance.com forward slash coaching or just click on the tab at the top of the page, the coaching tab, and request that 30-minute discovery call. I look forward to talking with you. And I want to give you an opportunity right this minute, right now today, to be abundant in your life by paying it forward and sharing Men of Abundance with everybody you come in contact with, or at least the people you love. And go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review and tell us what you really think about what we're doing over here. I truly do read every one of those, and I look forward to the feedback. Now it's time to bring out our amazing featured guest. Mary Hyatt is on a quest to feel alive and to live a life of full gratitude, joy, authenticity, and abundance in body, mind, and soul. Mary believes that every person has the ability to create the life that they love. She lives in the heart of Nashville, and her days are spent juggling the roles of holistic lifestyle advocate as a presidential diamond wellness advocate with doTERRA essential oils and personal life and business coach. She hopes her clients wake up, find their voice, and become fully alive. 
You can join Mary every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on her Facebook Live show, where she dives into raw topics and helps her audience fall back into love with themselves and believe in their potential. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Mary Hyatt. Mary, welcome to Men of Abundance. How are you doing? Oh, man, I am doing fantastic. I'm super excited to get into everything today. Thank you for having me. I am too, and I've been excited for several months at this point. (laughs) I know. It's one of those things. It's like, is it ever going to happen? Are we going to get on with each other? And here we are, finally. (laughs) I know, and i got to give a whole lot of thanks and patience to Interview Valet and Kara and Karen and everybody over there because they really – you know, we're the facilitators between the two of between the two of us, and you know, we had both had stuff going on on both ends, and things came up. And I was looking back in the in my uh, scheduler, and I noticed that we were scheduled and rescheduled at least three or four times. I know. You know, it's always divine timing. I feel like now is the exact moment we're supposed to be talking. And yes, Interview Valet, they are just amazing. I am so grateful for them. I am too. I seriously am. I mean, they really do a lot of the groundwork. Um, They do so much for you as a guest in that you you don't need any preparation. I mean, you're a pro at this, but for folks that are just getting started and talking on podcasts and whatnot, but specifically podcasts, they set them up, they tell them how to, you know, get the best show possible, how to really cater to the audience that they're talking to, because they are talking to different audiences, even though they're talking about their same message. And Mm -hmm. then afterwards, they do all the marketing for you, pre-marketing afterwards, Twitter. It's just amazing. They do so much for the guest, and they do so much for me because they really give me some quality people to have these conversations with. And I have not turned down one, and every one of them have been simply amazing. Wow. Yeah, I echo everything you said. Definitely an incredible group of people. And it's so personal, too. I mean, they they just really want to see you succeed and get to know you. And yeah, my, my experience with them has been nothing but, but positive. Yeah. Very personal. I'm glad you said that because I, I'm going to tell on Karen Schwab a little bit because I'm the one that got her to, <laughs> to get on video. Cause I always sent her videos and uh, cause I like video, especially yeah. when I'm just meeting new people and she's so personable and I, I deal with her more than Tom and definitely more than Aaron Walker who are co-owners in this whole thing. And so she sent me, started sending me videos, and I just love it. It's so cool that we have that personal <laughs> com- communication. So fun. I love it. It is. So where are you at in the world? Well, I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where I have been born and raised, and I am Southern to my core, so I can't seem to get away. I love to travel, but I always keep coming back to Nashville. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that are in that area, in the Tennessee area, because I'm a you know, retired army and a lot of uh, folks at Fort Campbell out there, they yeah. live in Tennessee and everybody has amazing things to say about Tennessee. Plus, there's a lot of podcasters in Tennessee and Nashville specifically is really growing as a hub for entrepreneurs like Austin. It really is. I mean, it is kind of a mecca, it seems to be, for entrepreneurs. I always take myself out to coffee shops every day to get out of the house and get around people. So I'm not so isolated in my office here at home. And it's crazy how crowded these coffee shops are just full and full of people. And I think, what are, what are you people doing, <laughs> you know, all day? Why aren't you working? <laughs> and it's just, you know, people just like me and you, you know, who are entrepreneurs and doing their thing. And yeah, so many people who do podcasts and speakers and authors, it's really a creative city. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds really fun. I'm definitely going to get out there at some point. 
So before we get too much into the show, Mary, I really like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today? Oh my gosh. I am so grateful because I just bought a house. And so today we did our final inspections. They went perfectly. And so I'm just excited to feel grounded, to have the finances and be in the state and place in my life to be able to do that. So just big, big thanks for that one. Huge. Yeah, that is huge. That's super exciting. I've been through that a couple times. It is. It is. And this is my first my first house uh, as an adult woman by myself. So it's it's pretty pretty big moment for me. Oh, that is huge. Congratulations. That is super exciting. It really Thanks. is. So prepared you before we got talking here. The question that I have for you now is how would you describe yourself? I'm so glad you're asking this question because it is, like you said, before we, we got on together, you're like, this can be hard to answer for some people. And I think this is so amazing just for my own reflection to realize, oh my gosh, this is kind of easy for me to answer because of a lot of self-work that I have done around, okay, who am I? <laughs> um, but I think I would describe myself as someone who is passionate, someone who is full of life. I'm a quick start. So I feel like I have a short attention span, but get really excited for things on the front end. And I am somebody who loves to learn and loves to love. I'm, I'm a lover at heart and I just want to be as generous as I can to people. So passionate and generous would be how I would describe myself. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And as far as a teacher, what are you, how are you using some of that that you describe of yourself, how are you using that to improve humanity? You know, for me, I seem to try to do this every single day to ask myself when I wake up in the morning, okay, who can I give some love to? Who can I hold space for? And one of the things that I love to do is inspire people. I love to take somebody who is in the pits, you know, in the, in the goo, in the muck, of their personal life journey and say, listen, I got a secret for you. You can't screw this up. You are okay. You are perfectly imperfect and you can't screw it up. And so being a life coach and doing a Facebook live show every week, I'm always trying to inspire people to not look at their life from this one moment to really see in the future and to just begin to see that hope that, you know what, in the end, it's all going to work out. It, there is so much good on the other side of what they're going through and ultimately to, to love on people, to hold space for them and to remind them that they're not alone in their journey. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. I really do. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show other than the fact that Interview Valet, you know, introduced you to me and suggested you for me. And I do, regardless of, you know, I always want to take a look at the people that they're introducing me to. They know who I'm looking for. But yeah. when I looked at First off, who you are. And for those who don't know, the daughter of Michael Hyatt, this kind of caught my eye a little bit because everybody, anybody who's been moving upwards and doing personal development knows that. But I don't focus on that kind of stuff. That's not what I was really looking at. I was looking at the fact that your, your bio and then everything else that you had going on is just super exciting about living a life of abundance. And yeah. you're paying it forward every single day. And I absolutely love everything that you're doing. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Growing up in a family, I saw my dad, who's now a very successful entrepreneur. 
he was not a successful entrepreneur growing up. And I have four sisters, so I'm the middle child of, of five girls. And I saw my dad struggle over and over again and seeing business fail after business fail after business fail and kind of being in this feast or famine. You know, we would have people deliver food to us or we would have people give us money to go shopping for school clothes. But one of the things that was echoed in our house was this mindset piece. My mom would always say, okay, well, what does this make possible? Any challenge, any, you know, high school frustration or middle school frustration that we were doing, uh, dealing with, she would always ask us, okay, Mary, you know, what does this make possible? Because we learned growing up that no matter the struggle, there's always a lesson. There's always something to gain from what you're going through. There's always some meat to take away. And I love that. You know, I got to see my dad get up after he failed after he almost went bankrupt, you know, over and over again, he would get up and he would try again. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that I got to witness not only somebody who is so just gung ho and passionate about what they do, but somebody who is willing to sort of fail forward and try again, try again, try again until, you know, for him, he found that thing that really stuck and it took him, I mean, decades to get there. And I just, I'm grateful for that. And I think that, you know, in any home, there's those things that you take away. And for me, it was always get up. You know, you can fall down, but don't tap out. Get up and try again. You know, I'm really glad that you said that because I can relate. <laughs> First off, I completely relate. But now I'm interested in learning the perspective from you as a family dynamic and living with somebody who consistently is, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset was your mom and is everybody else in the family kind of the same way as that was happening? Were there a lot of frustrations? I'm asking because that's been the case in my household for, that was the case in my household for many years. Yeah. You know, my mom is amazing. She was a stay at home mom. So she never worked when we were, I mean, she kind of had, I guess that's not true. She kind of did have her own little things going, you know, to bring in a little bit of income, but she never worked a nine to five job. She, uh, I can remember, they're, they had these old candy vending machines. And so she would go put all the candy in the vending machine and collect the quarters. You know, we used to work at a ballpark in the summer doing the concession stands. And we were encouraged as kids to have our own little businesses, whether it was lemonade stand or we would make bracelets and sell them. We, we even had a book that was all about entrepreneurial uh, adventures for kids and different all these different ideas on things to do to make money as children. And now what's funny is growing up, all of my sisters were all entrepreneurs. We're all very successful in what we do. And none of us graduated college, which is just crazy to me that here we are, you know, out of all five of us, not one of us went to college and graduated. And so I think there really was this sense of the kind of school of hard knocks, the school of life of, hey, what you really need to know more than anything is going to be your street smarts. And so get out there. We all had jobs in middle school and high school and we're expected to have jobs as even as girls. It was like, no, get out there and, and figure it out. And so there definitely was that culture of kind of an entrepreneurial family. I didn't understand that at the time, but looking back, absolutely. Very interesting. And yeah, so what kind of jobs did you have all hold? And really what I want to ask is, I got my point of view on this. As far as the jobs, 
What did your parents tell you as far as when you went out and got a job? What type of job and what you what should you be paying attention to during the job? You know, for me, I was a nanny and then I worked at for a eye doctor as a receptionist while I was in high school. And then I had, while I was working at the eye doctor's office, I was also a personal assistant uh, for a talent manager. And I remember, I don't know that he would have said it like this at the time. Now he would say it like this. He, but the concept was, where can you add value? And I remember I was probably 16 because I was old enough to drive. And I was working at this eye doctor's office. And I had this feeling that they were charging too, too little for eye exams. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm just getting paid hourly. It doesn't matter. I'm, you know, whatever. But I went to the doctor and I said, Hey, would you ever consider raising your prices? I think you're too cheap. He said, Oh no, we could never do that. You know, our, our patients expect to pay this price, yada, yada. And so I took it upon myself to go out and I researched about six or seven other local uh, optometrists to see what they were charging. So I could come back to him with a report and compare and say, Hey, look, you really are below what everybody else is charging. And so I did that and I, I was successful. I got him to raise his prices, probably, you know, 10 or $15 per eye exam, but that was a real victory for me. And I know that that came from my dad. Like, where can you add value? Where can you be fully present where you are and give even more than what is expected of you? And that is being a good steward to me of your opportunity, of your time. And that was definitely something that he instilled in me for sure. Right. That's excellent. And that's definitely the the entrepreneurial mindset and, you know, we've talked about so much of that I'd love to circle back to. But one of the conversations I have with my boys is now one just started working. The other one's often working in the Army. But when they started working in for a job, I told them, look, yeah, you got the job. You're working at Old Navy folding clothes and stuff and putting them back on the shelf and whatnot. But pay attention to your managers. Pay attention to the one you don't like. Pay attention to the ones you do like. And pay attention to what they're doing and their, their habits and, and how they're running things. And the same thing you just said, add value. Because if you want to go on and be an employee, hey, that's great. But I don't want you to be an employee all the time. I want you to eventually move up into leadership positions. Um, and you need to learn that. But you also have to pay attention to how you're adding value both to the customers, to your, to your peers, and to your boss. And I had these conversations with them. And it seems to be paying off for the most part. Uh, so I was just curious as to how that worked out in your household. And it seems pretty consistent. Yeah. I mean, what a powerful lesson to learn early on to observe the people who are in your life, who are in leadership positions and seeing what they're doing, you know, what, what's working, what's not working, what they're doing that you would want to shift or change. And just seeing again, everybody is your teacher. I mean, this is, even if it is folding clothes at old Navy, that there's so much that you can gain and learn from that experience. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So as you know, here on the show, we like to get into that kick in the gut moment. And you mentioned a few, but those are your dads. And I know some yeah. of them trickled over into your life as well and they affected your lifestyle for sure. But I like to share these kick in the gut moments because it, it just shows people how we all get kicked down. We're not exactly the same, but they are similar. But it's what you do after that and what you do with that. Some people have turned their mess into their message. Some of those kick in the gut moments have ended up defining people and completely changing their whole outlook on education, work, entrepreneurship, whatever the case may be. So I'd love for you to share one of those kick in the gut moments with us and really make us feel that. Yeah. So 
for me as a little bit of background, I got married when I was 20 years old and my family was against this marriage. It was a marriage that probably shouldn't have gone forward with. Um, but nonetheless, at 20 years old, you know, you're, you're rebellious, you're in love. You think, you know, I know better than you. And, and so I got married at 20 and my, my ex-husband now ever since divorced was 10 years older than me. And we kind of went straight into, you know, married life and adult life. And I was still finding myself in that moment. And it was, it ended up being a really difficult, um, season of life. We were married for 10 years and really difficult, just, oh gosh, come to Jesus moments all the time. And in that season of my life, I didn't know who I was. And I had learned very early on with my school and church and all different kinds of things to be a chameleon, to wear all these different masks, to be the people pleaser as a middle child. That was a very easy role for me to play. And so in my marriage, I did that as well. And I kind of had all these compartmentalized parts of my personality that weren't integrated. And so in my marriage, I was only showing a, a certain part of myself. Um, and that created inside of me so much anxiety, so much depression. And very quickly from the moment I got married, I gained about 70 pounds, probably within, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or so. And there was a lot of, a lot of different circumstances that happened inside of my marriage, a lot of, uh, really hard moments, but I can remember this moment of looking in the mirror. And I don't know if any of the listeners have had this experience where you look in the mirror and you don't even recognize yourself. It's like your life isn't what you thought it was supposed to be. You aren't your true self. You know, you're basically living to a fraction of what you're capable of living. You're a, a fraud ultimately. And for me, that showed up very physically. It was like, who is this person that I'm looking at? I never had a struggle with weight. I was always a healthy kid. And, and so to look in the mirror, that was, that was a moment where I had realized that I hated myself so much. I mean, I was truly at that moment where I was suicidal. I had been abusing myself, abusing my body because I wasn't integrated and I was taking it out of myself and I was berating myself and belittling myself and talking about how much I hated my, my, the way that I looked, my body, my, my face, my stomach, my thighs, everything. And was in this horrible season in my life of shame that I really believed that there was something wrong with me, that I was broken. And that moment of looking in that mirror truly was my kick in the gut moment where it was just like, you've just wasted your life away. Like that this is truly not you. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. That was my, really my rock bottom moment to realize that I had been kind of the walking dead. I had become asleep. I was numbing in every way possible. I was checked out. I was just coping and so at age 26, it was like, what was even the point of living? I mean, it was, it was a very, very dark time for me. So what brought you out of that? What, what was the pivot point? I think when I looked at my face in the mirror and it was that moment of going, you know, what am I doing? What, what is the point of all of this? I, I can remember catching this little, I don't even know if it really was there, but I remember seeing it, this little glimpse, this little flicker of light in my eyes. And I said 
in my mind, I said, I am going to fight for the light. And I knew there was more, like there was something deep inside of myself, spirit, intuition, whatever you want to call it, that was whispering to me. It was like my soul was kind of rooting for me in that moment to say like, hang on, hang on, there's more. And so in that moment, I committed to figure it out, to find myself ultimately. And Wally, I'm sure in what you do, you probably had this moment where you go on your computer and you open up Amazon and you like binge buy, you know, like 20 books or something. And that's what I did. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know who to turn to, but I knew that if I was experiencing this, somebody else had experienced it. And so I just went on and, and ordered all these books and you know, I probably could thank my dad for that, that method, you know, of obsession of just going all, all in. And I really had that moment of like, enough is enough. I've got to figure this out. And so I started reading, I started journaling. I took myself, put myself in therapy and really went to work on discovering who I was, who the real Mary was and finding the courage and bravery inside of myself to let that be seen, to show up as the full version of me versus just this kind of compartmentalized part of me. You know, what I found is instead of being somebody who was a victim, instead of being somebody who was the sick one, somebody who was broken, what I found is that I actually already was lovable, that I had spent so much of my energy and time trying to earn love, doing anything and everything I could to make people happy, to do the right thing, to say the right thing. And what I realized is that all the love that I was looking for, I already had. And that I actually didn't have to do anything. Like it existed right here in the present moment for me to have just because I exist. Like I can't earn it. And I can't lose it. Like that was this truth that was available to me all times that love is here for, for all of us. And that, that I was enough that who I am, this person who is a great starter, this person who is passionate, this person who loves people well, all of the, the, the beautiful things about who I am, all of the shadow parts of who I am, that all of that was enough and that I was worthy and deserving of love. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Cause it, it's spot on with, I was just, <laughs> I just love that. Absolutely love that. And you are enough and everybody out there, all of you, I'm talking to all of you, you are absolutely 100% enough. These stories that Mary, that you were telling yourself were your stories. They were in your head and mm -hmm. everybody else was still there loving you just like, you know, who you all, who you've always been and who you're going to become. But we tell ourselves these things. We tell ourselves we're not lovable. We're not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Uh, you know, I got all these issues. Uh, I don't know how to communicate, so on and so forth. Well, some of those things can be fixed internally. Some of them can be fixed by, like you said, get a therapist, get a coach, get a mentor, mm -hmm. get up off your butt and go do something about it. Grab a bunch of books, uh, a lot of those things. But just realizing who you are and then realizing that always knowing, always keeping in mind, no matter what, tell yourself, I'm enough. People love me. And it's, that's true. Yeah. 100%. It is true. And I think that that is the most basic fear that we all have as human beings. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm working with a client, 
and they're stressed about something or they're nervous about something or they have doubts in their decision-making ability or whatever it is, or they, I see them overworking and burning themselves out and, you know, taking on too much responsibility for things. You can always, always, always trace it back down to this common fear that I am not enough, that mm. a lot of the decisions that we are making are based out of the belief that we are not enough. And so when you can address that deepest fear head on, when you can work on sort of building up the belief that you truly are lovable and that there are so many incredible things about you, even, even the mistakes you've made, even all the fears that you have that you still are inherently enough, that it's like it, it opens every door to you. It gives you a kind of confidence and ease about life that it's like, you know what? I'm all, I'm doing all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is all right. And answering that inside of yourself is the most powerful thing I think anyone can do. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's time to get to work and start adding value to others. And I've yeah. found in myself, and I found this after talking to hundreds of people, that when we add value to other people, because that's what we're here for, we truly do die if we don't add value. When we add value to other people, it's just like teaching. One, you, you only know a subject to the point to where you can teach it to somebody else. And the best way to learn is to teach. And mm -hmm. because it gets in, ingrained in your head even more. And the same thing with adding value. You can say adding value is actually a selfish instead of a selfless act because many people add value just because it makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's doing something for somebody else too, of course. And you can look at this both ways. I love playing with these things and getting people kind of riled up and, and pushing back. But the fact of the matter is when you do something for somebody else, it makes you feel good. Rather, it's giving yeah. them money giving them time, picking them up off the floor, reaching down and grabbing a receipt that fell on the floor for somebody who's obviously having a hard time. Bending. You just feel amazing after doing that. Those simple yeah. little things. You know, what's interesting when you say that, what comes up for me is this idea of receiving because what makes us feel so good when we give to someone else is the fact in that it's dependent upon that person receiving what it is that we're offering. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been in an experience where maybe you give somebody a compliment or you give somebody a gift or you offer to pay for something or whatever. They're like, no, 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 I'm okay. Or, you know, they kind of try to write off your compliment. Well, this, you know, this old thing or whatever. Yeah. It then feels weird as the giver, as the person who's trying to add value or offer something generous. It's hard to experience the joy of that when somebody's unable to receive. And on the flip side, of course, for me, I always think, okay, how am I as a receiver? Like, mm. I love to give. That's easy for me. I am naturally generous. I over and above usually give. But what is challenging for me and what I've been working on recently is receiving of allowing somebody to say something kind to me and just to simply say, thank you, you know, or allowing for somebody to offer me something just for no good reason other than they want to and being able and willing to open myself enough into my vulnerability to receive that versus trying to resist it or, you know, say that I don't need the help or anything like that. And I just think that when you're, you're sharing this, I just keep thinking, wow, this, there is such a powerful piece of receiving that has to be present in order for us to experience the joy of giving ultimately. It really is. And there's a culture thing there as well. I've been in many different cultures as I've traveled the world and, and some cultures have a little bit harder culturally to receive um, because in some cultures, truly to receive also means that you must also give. It's, it's, in, it's ingrained in the mm -hmm. culture. Um, and I'm always, I've always been in the mindset 
I don't know where I get it from, but if if I give something to somebody, I truly do not expect anything in return at all. But some yeah. cultures truly believe that uh, now I have to give something back to you and you don't. And it, but I get that. I, I really get the culture thing. But it is hard for some people to receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's actually fascinating to think about that, because I'm the same way. I think anytime you give, give without any expectations of any return, that you're not putting it on the scale and measuring it and seeing if it's coming out equal, that it's just, you know, a free gift, no matter what it is, a compliment, $100,000. It's, you know, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. If it's a gift, it's a gift. 100%. I totally get that. Well, I could continue on this conversation forever, but we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that, Mary? Absolutely. Awesome. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. Yeah. So I think as we're talking about, you know, who we are, I would say number one is get curious about what you believe and investigate to see if what you believe needs some updating. You know, sometimes I think when we're talking about men in particular, men are oftentimes very afraid to feel you know, to have emotions, but every single human being has emotions all day, every day. You know, we experience life through our emotions and ultimately we aren't after the achievements or meeting our goals or being successful. We are actually after how we think we're going to feel when we hit our next level of success or we, when we meet our goals. It's the feeling that we are after. And so we have to check in with, you know, how am I feeling? And we were talking a lot about the story, you know, the story we create in our minds about who we are and, and what we're supposed to do in this world. And, you know, ultimately our thoughts create how we feel. And so once we say, okay, you know, do I have any thoughts that need to be updated? Do I have any beliefs that need to be updated? We can sort of ask ourselves, how am I feeling? And what thoughts are causing me to feel? Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel pressured or stressed or angry or resentful. You know, what thoughts created that feeling and go to work to uh, create more empowering thoughts that are going to give you a different kind of feeling that generate a different feeling that you want to feel a, a thought that might make you feel empowered, that might make you feel peaceful or calm or excited or alive. You know, what would I have to believe or what would I have to think in order to feel calm? What would I have to believe in order to feel hopeful and then I, I tell people, you know, go and create one to two affirmations that you can say every day. Like, you know, I'm always in the right place at the right time or opportunities find me easily and effortlessly or, you know, I am fully resourceful and new ideas are coming to me all the time. You know, this is an, there's an abundance of money in the world and it's on its way to me. I'm smart and full of, full of energy for life. You know, we get to curate our inner world so that it creates the feelings that we want to feel so that we feel empowered and peaceful and excited and alive. And that's ultimately going to have us take different actions. When we feel empowered, we're going to do something different and that's going to give us a different result in our life. And so for me, the steps are get curious about what you believe, ask yourself how you want to feel, create affirmations that lead you to your feeling and get to work on repeating those affirmations every single day. Excellent. I like how you said that. And I like to use the term update your thoughts. And guys, you know, you hear me talk about affirmations all the time. You're always talking to yourself anyway. 
most of the time you're talking to yourself in a negative manner. And when you're doing what Mary was just talking about and, and having these conversations with yourself, if you're starting to change, update your thoughts, I like that. And, and um, you also said, Mary, you also said feelings. You have to put mm-hmm. feelings to your affirmations. You can't just say, yeah, I'm a great person. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be late today. I'm going to be on time. No, you got to put some emotion into it. You really got to put feelings into it in order for it to be extremely impactful in your life. Because you do the same thing when you're telling yourself, I'm not good enough. You truly mm-hmm. feel that. And you're putting yourself into that frame of mind with your feelings. You got to do the same thing with the positive affirmations. What do you say on that, Mary? Absolutely. It's like, if you feel like crap, it's because your thinking's crap. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you feel, if you feel depressed, it's because your thinking is thinking depressed thoughts, you know? And so you get to, you can change, you can curate your internal dialogue to make you feel something different. If you want to feel better, you have to think better. Yeah. Get rid of that stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, da- <laughs> what daily habits make the biggest impact in your life, Mary? For me, it's daily affirmations. I'm huge on that. And that includes also gratitude right there with it. So daily affirmations, daily gratitude, I've got them on my mirror. And the second daily habit that I do is I always apply essential oils. I'm a huge essential oil nutcase. I love them because it helps me connect to my body. Obviously, it's giving me physical, emotional support. But it's just one way that I can pause in that moment to connect to my body, to my physical body, helps ground me for the day and gives my body that support and that loving attention every day. I'm no expert in the matter, but I have two little brown jars of oil sitting right on my desk, right above my computer, right this awesome. minute. <laughs> awesome. I love them. Yeah, they're they're incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I get aches. I have a lot of aches and pains and stuff, so I use um, some of them for my aches and pains, some of the eucalyptus and stuff like that. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah they're so supportive for that. Very much so. One, I totally agree with that. So what would you suggest that our abundant leaders read or listen to and why? Well, I have two suggestions. One is the book Lovability by Robert Holden. And obviously for all the men listening, that sounds a little feminine, but I, you know, it's written by a man. So I promise you it is so powerful and it really helps you get down to that core belief of, am I lovable? Do I have what it takes? Am I enough? And helps you really understand this concept of your own inherent, innate, God-given lovability. And then the second resource that I want to share with you is a podcast from Brooke Castillo and it's called the Life Coach School, and she is an amazing thought leader, kind of around what we've been talking about, how your thoughts generate your feelings that get you to take different actions that create the results in your life, and she's brilliant. She has a lot of programs to offer, too, but her podcast from Brooke Castillo is amazing. I'll definitely check that out and have all of that linked up in the show notes at menofabundance.com, and guys, I, I like, you know, Regardless of the book, Mary suggested it. I suggest you go out and get it. One of the books I'm listening to right now because it has been recommended to me multiple times is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and it's narrated by Gary, too, which I love when the author narrates their own books. Yeah, such a such a great book. And Robert Holden, he narrates Lovability, too. You can get it on Audible, and he's British, so it's just it's very easy to listen to. It's a great, great read. Yeah, and, you know, I'm doing this really because – I like to learn more about all the languages and the love languages, but really I want a closer connection with my wife. 
uh, and, mm. and my kids. And that's really what it's about. And also, better connection with everybody, quite frankly. But for me personally, I'm doing that, reading, listening to that one because I want a better, even better connection with my wife and kids. Yeah, such, such a great one. I feel like that one is absolutely foundational. Awesome. We'll have all that linked up. So what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? I think that it is their belief that they do not deserve the good. Mm. That's what I see. More than anything, it's an issue of deservability. That even if they could wish for and want all of the good, all of the abundance, that they ultimately believe they don't deserve it. And that thinking is robbing them of the opportunity to experience that abundance in life. And so working on your own personal deservability. Agreed. I do agree with that. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, I hate to say it, but I think the church, (laughs) you know, or religion ultimately, I I really do. I mean, I think that there's this weird teaching somewhere along the way that got passed down to us that, you know, we are, um, no good. We are broken. That our job on this planet, we're sinners. We're supposed to suffer. We're supposed, Mm -hmm. you know, our, our godliness is really, um, amounted to how much we're willing to suffer and take the beating and get, you know, lashed on the back and just take it. And I think that is the mm-hmm. opposite of, um, that message. So yeah, I think, I think it stems from religion for sure. Yeah. That can be a whole different conversation. Cause I have yeah. this, my wife and I have these conversations often, you know, and I, and I sit and listen at church and then it's like in one part, God wants to give you all of his grace and glory and, and treasures and everything in the world. And then the other part is, um, you know, the you're a sinner and the poor are the, the righteous people in the world and the rich are the evil people in the world. And you're like, wait a minute, you're OK, never mind. I'm, yeah. <laughs> we're going to move on on that one. But, yeah, definitely. I see that and I agree with it. Mm, yeah, we can, we can have some debates on that one. So <laughs> what does living a life of abundance mean to you, Mary? For me, and I'm sure you would agree with this, Wally, that it means shifting out of scarcity, you know, knowing there is always enough. And I say that my spiritual practice is to model a life of enough and that, you know, when I can live out of abundance, I don't have to fear that there are only, you know, a few people who can be successful or there only are a few people who can be happy or in love or beautiful, but ultimately that there is no limit. You know, there is an abundance of resources always available to me and to everyone. And that I don't have to cut corners. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to manipulate because I can move out of the space of not enough to enough that there is enough. And ultimately uh, living a life of abundance means that I am enough. Wow, that was a very amazing answer. Absolutely love it. And listen, guys, I haven't recommended this in a while, but much of where Men of Abundance came from was from me reading a book called Abundance by Peter Diamandis. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, that's great. Everybody says that there's abundance in the world, blah, blah, blah. It's not just lip service. Those aren't just words. The fact of the matter is, is there is abundance in everything as far as resources, water, food, you know, energy, you name it. It's just a matter of harnessing it, getting it to the right people in the right way and and doing our part to make that happen. And there are many of people such as Peter Diamandis and um, Elon Musk and the Gates Foundation 
And so many, and not even people at that level, people at my level, people where I'm at, what I'm doing personally is giving abundance to so many people. I'm giving it to you and your thoughts. I'm giving you my thoughts. Mary's giving you her thoughts and sharing her experiences with you and showing you that you have abundance within you, but there's also physical abundance in this world all over the place. You just have to look for it and learn how to harness it and share it with others. Mm, preach it Wally <laughs> I, <am. laughs> I love it <laughs> I'm very passionate about this that's why I've been doing this over a year um, well much several years actually in my own personal life but sharing it with everybody else in this podcast for almost a year and a half and just love it thanks for sharing yeah. that mm, so we're going to close welcome. this up Mary what did we not talk about that you want to ensure that our abundant, abundant leaders get out of our conversation and what do you have exciting coming up in your life yeah so I think I want to leave Everyone listening with this sort of last little thought goes along with what we said, but just sort of brings it, brings it to a head, which is you can always update your beliefs. They are always subjective. You can always be certain that there is another way of looking at something. There is another option available and that you are the master of your own brain. Uh, Someone once told me that our brains are like a two-year-old with a knife. And I never got that image out of my head. And I just think, oh my gosh, how terrifying, you know, Mm -hmm. but you have to tell it what to do or else it will run wild and can really harm you. And so I just encourage you to remember something that I say to my clients all the time, that it's never black and white. And anytime that I feel stuck, I can ask myself, what rules am I creating that aren't really rules? Mm. What, what rules am I creating that aren't? really rules. So I will, I will leave you with that little, little question. And as far as what's coming up for me, which is exciting, um, other than the personal stuff of moving into a new house, I have a course that's really designed for women. So if there are any women listening or for those men who are listening, who are, um, married or in significant relationships with women that I have created a course called babe redefine. It comes out in January and it's all about helping women make peace with the mirror to quiet their inner bully and love their body. So really helping women, um, get past this, this beauty industry diet culture that is so harmful and really find value for the bodies that they have right now. So that's coming out, uh, January 2nd. Wonderful. And yes, about last I checked about that I can tell from my statistics and all this data and all this kind of stuff that I have on my website and everything, about 38% of the listeners of Men of Abundance are women. Awesome. Well, ladies, I'm talking to you. (laughs) There you go. There you go. And men, hey, you know what? Help your not. I don't need to think our women need any help, but you introduce them to stuff like this and it's only going to make your life better as well. Absolutely. Excellent. We're definitely going to have all of that linked up in the show notes. I'll have all that mentioned up there. So, Mary, it was an amazing conversation. I'm glad it finally did happen. I knew it would be a great conversation with you, and I truly appreciate your time and patience in getting together. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and I'm so grateful for everyone listening and spending the time with us. What a gift that we get to, to share with you today, and I hope you will pay it forward as well. Wonderful. Go out and live your life of abundance and aloha. All right, guys. I don't know if you're noticing the theme here or not. And for those of you who have been listening quite a while, I think you should be because I bring it up quite often. But you're enhancing your mindset is imperative to you living a fulfilling and abundant life. And when I talk about using affirmations in your life and your daily speak 
instead of talking bad about yourself and putting yourself down all the time. I'm not talking about frivolous words. I'm not talking about saying, I have a million dollars in the bank or I have $10,000 in the bank because you don't have $10,000 in the bank and you know you don't have $10,000 in the bank. The affirmations I'm talking about are for you to say things like, in order for me to have $100,000 in the bank, I have to do this, this, and this. And then you go do that. You're making affirmations for things for actions that you know you have to do. Another example would be, in order for me to be the healthy weight that I know I should be, I get up every single morning at 5 o'clock, I brush my teeth, I splash some water on my face, and then I get right into my workout before I even touch my phone or open my computer. Those are positive affirmations with action steps that you can take. You see, you have what your goal is, which is to live a healthy lifestyle and to be a healthy weight. But you're not saying, if you're way overweight, say 300 pounds, you're not telling yourself false affirmations and basically lying to yourself. You're not saying something like, I weigh 230 pounds. Because you're looking in a mirror and saying, realizing you don't weigh 230 pounds, not right now, not yet. You're saying something like, in order for me to weigh 230 pounds in the next 12 months, I get up every single morning at 5 o'clock. I brush my teeth, I splash some water on my face, I down a tall glass of water with a little bit of fresh lemon juice squeezed into it, and then I get right into my workout for 30 to 45 minutes every single day. You see the difference? Those are action steps. You put in your goal, you put in a time frame, and you put in the action steps that you know you have to do in order to reach that goal. Those are the affirmations that are going to be powerful in your life. Those are the daily routines that are going to be extremely powerful in your life for you to reach your goals. Hey, and listen, I know it's hard. And if you want more of this and you want a little bit of accountability, I'm not a handholder, but I am a coach. And I know what to do to help you reach your goals. So men, if you're looking for a one-on-one coach or you're looking to get into a group coaching program, request a 30-minute discovery call with me. Go to menofabundance.com forward slash coaching or click on the coaching tab at any one of the pages at menofabundance.com. Request a 30-minute discovery call with me to see if you and I can work together. And if by chance you and I cannot work together, I will do everything I can to connect you with somebody who will be a better fit for you and your situation where you're at today. Now, go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance. Thank you.